Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way. When you want the ability to adjust your loan options in real time, folks, remember, Rocket can. It's Ken Carmen, CBS Sports Radio, 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Send the tweets, send the hot takes at Ken Carmen, C-A-R-M-A-N. We're following Bucks Nets tomorrow. I think that the I think the Nets get Game Four, then get Game Five. What Mark Medina said was true. I want Milwaukee to win. I like Giannis. I like the city of Milwaukee. I'm a, he's got to call it down the line. I don't. I can say whatever I want. He's a journalist. I'm a clown for your amusement on the radio, so I can say whatever I want about it within the boundaries of decent taste. And I want Milwaukee to win. I think that the Nets being a great team isn't bad for the NBA. I think everybody needs a bad guy. Everybody needs Every sport needs a bad guy and somebody to root against. Classic good versus evil. And that's what you get here. Also, another reason to root for Milwaukee in this series is they do feed off their own home crowd. <laughs> Last year, that was evident in the bubble. They were not the same. This year, with their home team, with their home crowd... They were a different team. They played better defense. They tightened up. Bruce Brown, they decided Bruce Brown decided to take matters into his own hands for whatever reason the other day. Like there is some method to the madness there. So at, at looking at game four and then being back at home and them having a home court advantage again, Mark Medina was right. You need those fans again. There's another thing that he said, and I'm gonna get to fans and Getting all worked up about things. Speaking of work or shoot coming up at 1.20 p.m. Eastern. I asked him a question about Ring's culture. It, it, it was it was out of nowhere because it was about Chris Paul and his reputation, his legacy, if he happens to win with the, with the Phoenix Suns. And this was the answer that Mark Medina gave me. Hit it. It will, but, you know, I think the Ring's culture is something that should be pushed back because, you know, you look at – Someone like Jerry West, right? He won one NBA championship and lost a bunch of finals, but it was against the Boston Celtics or part of a dynasty. So, you know, I no no doubt that's the ultimate prize, but a lot of times when you're looking at championship teams, you know, a lot of it can be circumstantial. Now, at the end of the day, you know, talent prevails, you know, an organizational culture prevails, but sometimes it's just, you know, luck of the draw, a misfortune or a fortune and you know to 
then assign a player's legacy based off of those circumstances, I think are a little unfounded. Like, you know, take Steve Nash, for example. He never won a championship during his career, but there's like no debate he's considered one of the best point guards of all time. So it, it will change his perception, but I don't think it should. That's Mark Medina with me from the USA Today, NBA writer for them. Follow him on Twitter, at MarkG underscore Medina. Hear that entire interview, CBSSportsRadio.com with the Odyssey app as well. What he says, I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. I've tried to say it better myself. And I think this I think this goes beyond just the NBA. I think this goes to all of the big leagues that we speak of. And I, I throw the NHL in there. I throw... Obviously, basketball, baseball, football, the four main sports that we we really get into, I think that rings culture has permeated through all of them. And it starts with the NBA. And it starts with, and I'm not trying to get you guys arguing about this, it starts with Michael versus LeBron. And getting to six championships. And guys breaking their back because LeBron's entire legacy until he got championship number three with Cleveland. I think it changed a little bit there. This was some icing on the cake, the championship that he just got in the bubble in 2020. I think that what happened this year might, for some, because they want to have bitter arguments against each other about Michael and LeBron, I think that they'll use that against him going, hey, you weren't in the bubble, you didn't even get out of the first round. I think they'll do it. But overall, four championships is a lot. Up to six championships, rings culture permeates there. And it goes to the other sports. But in the NBA, guys are so focused on getting theirs, and they don't have time. You know, before, And you could say what you want to about the players, and God knows I have. I think it's bad for the NBA when players move around. I really do. I, I, they have all the right in the world to do so. I'm not negotiating that. I'm not arguing that they don't. They do, just like I do, just like you do. But it's easier for them than it is for you and I. And I don't think it's good for the league to be so open which NBA media has, players have, and openly tell 80-plus percent of your fan bases in your league that they don't matter. I think that's not a good look. But players, because they know that their legacies will be defined by what they won, not their points, not how good of a guy they were, not how good of a player they were for the one organization they play for, it's by their rings. They will be judged by their rings. How can I tell them no? I can't. I hate it. I think it's bad for the league. They still do it. They still have to do it because they are judged by their rings. Chris Paul, if he wins a championship with the Phoenix Suns this year, it changes his legacy. Before this season, and you're seeing it change now, what did a lot of people say about Chris Paul? Nice point guard, nice leader, not the guy that can get you over the hump. Had his chance, had his chance against Golden State, got hurt. Other guys got hurt. Can't be the guy to get you up there. One percenter, but can't put you in that spot. Kevin Durant, why is he fighting with everybody? Because of the ring. He knows he has to legitimize his own legacy. He's not going to be able to live with himself, and you know this. He can tell you all he wants about rings are important, basketball isn't important anymore. That's the biggest lie the man's ever said in his entire life publicly. You see by what he's willing to argue with with teenagers on social media how much a championship means to Kevin Durant. He's losing it. In the words of Walter Subcheck, he's cracking. Because this championship, with him as the number one, bringing in Kyrie and bringing in James Harden, I did it. 
You've always compared me to LeBron. You always said I was second best. I did it. You said that I had to leave Oklahoma City and that I was a second fiddle role player to Steph Curry. Well, guess what? I just did it. I came back from a terrible injury, and I did it. And no one will be able to take that away from him. That's rings culture, man. Tom Brady does that in the NFL. He has seven rings. Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, two of the founding fathers of modern football in the passing game. Nothing. I brought up the Tennessee Titans earlier. The Titans and their ownership, if they don't get over the hump this year, they may be forced to make tough decisions on Tannehill. Derrick Henry's got a good contract, a strong contract, but you wonder about his health overall. Almost 700 carries over the last couple of years. But with Tannehill, with their coach, teams have made tough decisions based on what? Rings culture. Ryan Tannehill's been a very good quarterback for them. If it weren't for Adam Gase, he might be one of the top 10 quarterbacks we really talk about. Been a great quarterback for them. But if they can't get over the hump in the AFC playoffs this year and he can't go toe-to-toe against Mahomes or Allen, there's going to be a problem there. If they get to the wild card round and lose the wild card round, there's going to be a problem there. Baker Mayfield made it to the divisional round. It's expected he makes it to the AFC Championship game. Lamar Jackson finally got a win. It's expected he makes it to the AFC Championship game or competes for a Super Bowl. That's rings culture, man. Tom Brady getting championship number seven, doing it his way. Russell Wilson, upset with Seattle. Aaron Rodgers, they're definitely at a standstill right now with the Green Bay Packers. And I could always blame it on Aaron and go, hey, man, he gave you three opportunities in the second half that you didn't take advantage of. That's rings culture, man. Mike Trout, the best player we've seen in professional baseball since Babe Ruth. We don't talk about him. That's rings culture, man. I could say it's killing the overall enjoyment of the sport. I just think it's making it harder. It's driving people nuts. And it's putting unrealistic expectations on the league's best players. And I don't think it's creating any more icons. 855-2124-CBS, 855-2124-227. Coming up next, work or shoot. Also coming up at 140, don't try to meet your heroes, especially if they're dead. Ken Carmen, CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show. May I have the password, please? Fidelio. That's right, sir. That is the password. On CBS Sports Radio. Coming up at 1.40 p.m. Eastern, you know what it was like to talk to Grandpa. You shouldn't be very surprised. Worker shoot coming up here in just a moment. There is a story that is breaking out of the UEFA Euro 2020 uh, match here. And, uh, again, I'm not uh, I'm not all today up on soccer, but there's I am up to date on, on um, something here that looks like it could be something very bad. I know that Kevin Dexter will have more details coming up at the bottom of the hour. Christian Eriksson of Denmark's national team collapsed on the field. Uh, He was given CPR. Uh, I did not have the feed on, and according to what I'm seeing here on my social media, thank God I didn't have the feed on. Uh, But if you're a person who prays, uh, I would say pray for Christian Eriksson. This is some very serious stuff going on over there uh, where he collapsed on the field. He was unresponsive to CPR. I think they they brought the defibrillators out. 
and uh, we'll let you know as soon as we can on on everything here on CBS Sports Radio about his condition. Hopefully that uh, he will be able to come through on this and, uh, you know, be able to – about soccer in the future, who knows, but as far as just making him upright and all right, hopefully that will go that way. But a scary scene right now uh, over in Denmark. They've suspended the match, and we know of no other further information. But, again, as soon as we can get it to you, we'll let you know. Uh, Christian Eriksen, who a lot of, I know there are a lot of European soccer fans, I believe he played for Tottenham uh, over there, uh, did uh, collapse on the field about 30 minutes ago from what it looks like. So Kevin will have more of the updates coming up at the bottom of the hour, and again, we'll keep you here. Uh, we'll keep anything we find out, we will let you know uh, right here on CBS Sports Radio with the Odyssey app and Sirius XM 206. Um, coming up again, 140, you know what it's like to talk to Grandpa, and... I think we are seeing a generation of coaches, of administrators, who will be better. And in my cynical world and in my cynical view, that stands for a lot. But it's going to take a minute. That coming up at 1.40 p.m. Eastern right now. It's time for Work or Shoot. There's a saying in professional wrestling when two guys exchange words and they say they work themselves into a shoot. Now, you might not know the rules of work or shoot, so let me tell you the wor- the rules of work or shoot. Number one, work or shoot is basically like true or false, except it would be false or true because a work is false and a shoot is true. And why wouldn't I call it just true or false? Ken, why wouldn't you do that? Because that's no fun. If I tell you to stick around for true or false, that just sucks. But when you hear work or shoot, you're going, hmm. I don't know what this is. Maybe I'll stick around for it. Or you go, I don't deal with this fat ass on the radio, so I'm turning the radio anyway. All right, that's your prerogative as well. But if you'd like to stick around, I think you're going to be intrigued. I think you're going to be moved. I think it'll make you think it's time for work or shoot. And we welcome in the proctor of work or shoot, Connor Green. All right, Ken, number one, the Clippers again find themselves in a 2-0 hole after dropping the first two games of the Western Conference semifinals to the Jazz. But it's familiar territory as the Clippers were down 2-0 in the first round against the Mavs as well and won the series. So can work or shoot. Part of the reason the Clippers have fallen behind 2-0 in both series is because they lack a defined leader. Kawhi Leonard technically is the team's leader but is really a non-vocal player, which ultimately leaves L.A. with a vacuum of leadership. So you want work or shoot whether or not they have a leader. Right. I'm saying the reason they're down 2-0 is because they lack a leader. Shoot. This, my friends, is a shoot. Is that controversial enough for you there, Connor Green? I think it's a shoot. Let me tell you why. He's got to be, I I don't know if he's got to be more vocal. I don't know if it's got to be more the truth. He's questioning what they have in the locker room. So I know that that's maybe a little bit more vocal. But you got if you're going to be a primetime guy, you got to raise him up to that level, and you're a one percenter. I don't find Paul George to be a one percenter. I think Paul George is upper echelon. I think Kawhi Leonard is a one percenter. He, Kyle Lowry is a fine player. Make no mistake about it. All those other guys are fine players when he was in Toronto. Kawhi Leonard was the leader there. Now maybe they won't listen to him. It's up to him to get him to listen to him. I, I'm betting. I'm willing to bet. I may be wrong about this. When they, If they lose this series and Steve Ballmer starts making changes, I will say, though, that I have to say it's a shoot if you're not able to beat a team that does have some good, strong leadership there and you're a one-percenter, 
I think it comes down to your leadership. I have to say, shoot. Next. All right, Ken, number two, the Brooklyn Nets dropped game three to the Bucks on Thursday night, 86-83 to in a defensive slugfest. It was Brooklyn's lowest point total of the season as they shot 36% from the field and 25% from three-point range, but still lead the series two games to one after the loss. So can work or shoot. The Nets will struggle to win this series if James Harden remains unable to play. Work. Work. I think we're ending up blaming Drew, Hol uh, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. I mean, Chris Middleton's been a role player in the past. Raskin would be a number two. They still have Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving's been insane. They may have to ask Harden to come back. This is a team that, I tell you what, if the Nets don't win, I think it's going to be because of injury. Durant's been insane. They've had terrific ball movement, even though it's been isolationist. But I think they've been moving it, and I don't know if the Milwaukee Bucks have an answer for it. I think that they can win this series in five. I picked them to win this series. A lot of people disagreed. The first two games were strong by them. Milwaukee's best advantage is going to be Giannis in the home court. That's a given. But again, when we get to the free throw stuff and where his game is, I don't know if they're going to be able to get over it. If, if Brooklyn's able to put him away, it's a 3-1 series. The series is over. So I can't. if they win it in five, I don't know how difficult that is. So I have to say work. Work. Well, you're asking me some tough ones here to begin here. Good no God. softball questions, Ken. No softball. Lord, balls. come on. Give me. I was liking softball. Give me softball questions here. Matt Essig did a hell of a job. Who else? Who else? There's somebody. Oh, yeah, bocce ball did good. You know what? Everybody who was in for you did a good job. Not that you care. I'm just saying. You do a good job, too. All right, next. All right, Ken. Number three. <laughs> Where was that one going, Ken? <laughs> who the hell knows, huh? Go ahead. The college football playoff committee will meet in Chicago next week to discuss the possibility of expanding the playoff from four teams to 12 teams, a move designed in part to increase the parity in college football. So can work or shoot. If the college football playoff does expand to 12 teams, at some point in the near future, you expect to see less typical teams and non-traditional college football powers reach and ultimately win the national championship game. Oh, that is a work. Work. As long as the money that's being spent is spent on the big three and a little bit with a little bit with Georgia, LSU, they just won a national championship. It's going to continue to be a few. And Florida, I'll throw Florida in there. What the hell? Uh, it's going to be a few SEC teams that are kind of sort of hanging around, kind of in the mix, a one-off here and there. It's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Ohio State had four billionaire donators to their football program. You got four billionaires donating to your football program? Yeah, you should be a national championship contender every year. And they are a national championship contender every year. Saban, it's Saban. They got their donors, and Clemson has their donors. Dabo has got the money out of them. That's why Kirby Smart might be on the hot seat going into this season. Because he, we got in their pockets and dug all that out. They got a beautiful athletic facility. They've done up Sanford Stadium really, really nice. And the and the people who donated that money are going, hey, uh, where's our national championship? And Kirby can go, we were just in the game. No, 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 no. That's not a trophy. All right? Tired of talking about Herschel. We love Herschel. We need a trophy. Give us our trophy. Bring me my trophy or you're out of here. I still think it's a work. 
as long as the money's being spent, it's going to be those three teams again. And if you're, we're talking about non-traditional, oh, so if USC gets their head out of their ass, USC's is about as traditional as it gets. Notre Dame's traditional. Oregon, Oregon's a little bit different, but Oregon, again, has Nike money. Will Oregon be considered a national championship, traditional national championship contender? They've been in the playoff before. They've been in the national championship game before. So that's not it. If you're asking me this question, Connor, and I don't mean to turn it around on you, Give me an example. Is it UCF? Is it Cincinnati? Is it Memphis? Is that who you're talking about? It would be teams like that who are, who didn't have a chance of getting in the playoff before, but now yeah, if it expands, don't. they get in, maybe now they have a chance to they win it. They still don't. They still don't. Because the top-end blue chippers who are coached by good coaches, which all three of those schools have good coaches, are still deeper and will still be more than ready. If they lose players by attrition, they're going to be more than ready to take off those teams. And I said this before. It's about parity, and I think that college football is the only sport where you really, truly do want parity. I think it's a nice thing to say, but you want somebody there that you can hate in the big-time professional sports. College football, I think you want it. And I think at times you can make an argument for it. Go, Ken, what about Boise State beating Oklahoma? And I'll still tell you again, yes, the best thing about beating Bo- Boise State beating Oklahoma was they ran a Statue of Liberty play. The kid who scored the touchdown turned right around after the game and proposed to his girlfriend, roll credits. That's the end of their season. They won the Fiesta Bowl. It's amazing, and we could all argue for Boise State. They didn't have to go play Alabama the next week. In the real world, a team like Boise State wins that game, then they go get hammered by Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson. The haves are the haves. The have-nots can raise themselves up a little bit. Maybe they might be able to become one of the haves, but it's going to take some time. I don't think you're ever going to see a Cinderella in college football ever run their way. There's going to be no Jim Valvano, North Carolina State in college football. I can guarantee you that. Next. All right, Ken, number four with Aaron Rodgers holding out. Jordan Love has stepped in as the Packers' number one quarterback in minicamp. There is no Providence and Raleigh Massimino in college football. Next. All right, Ken. So Rodgers is holding out. Jordan Love stepping in as the number one QB. There is no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Head coach Matt LaFleur didn't go easy on the second-year signal caller, saying, quote, we installed our offense and threw everything at him, end quote. Reports out of Green Bay say that Love has impressed through the first few days. So can work or shoot. Aaron Rodgers is 37 years old and seems disinterested in football at the current time. So with that said, if Love continues to impress, the Packers should seriously consider moving on from Rodgers and starting Love this season. I mean, you're killing me here. Because I meant to do this in the next segment, so you're asking me a question that I wanted to do in the next segment. Do you see what you're doing to me here? We got a little Um, quandary. Well, I think they've made – I might as well say it now. I think the Packers made their decision last year. I told you this wasn't going to end well. It doesn't end well. These are bad divorces. Later on in life, like when I look at a divorce, the happiest thing I could see out of a divorce is that later on in life, there's such a thing as co-parenting, but you can at least be in the same room with one another and you can move on with your life and go, listen, we did something great together. We have good children. They ended up being good, productive citizens in America. I think that's a great story, and I think that that's something that they can both – that both those parents going, you know what, our marriage didn't work out, but we still did something here that was successful, and we've all moved on with our lives. I'm happier with person X. They're happier with person Y, and away they go. 
I think that's a nice thing. And I think that that can be still, and we saw it with Brett Favre, still something that happens with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, that they can go, Aaron Rodgers has had a nice life after his football career. We have a great memory of Aaron Rodgers of his career. They won a Super Bowl back in 2010 together, and they'll welcome Aaron Rodgers back just like they did with Brett Favre a couple of years ago in Green Bay. But it's going to end ugly, and I think this is ugly. And they made their decision. They wanted to move on from Aaron Rodgers. He had been injured. He had not been playing to the way that they wanted him to, even though there's guys like me who always defended him. It's true. I defend him. And they were getting themselves ready for the future. They were not going to be caught with their pants down, just like they weren't going to be caught with their pants down when it came to Brett Favre. But now we're going to find out, did Brian Gutekust and the Green Bay Packers really draft well? Because you got Jordan Love back there. You don't have Aaron Rodgers. And I think Aaron Rodgers needs to do what he's done, and he needs to sit and force Green Bay into a situation. If Green Bay sits, or if he continues to sit, and Green Bay continues to play Jordan Love, if Jordan Jordan Love does great, the price for Aaron Rodgers is high. If Jordan Love does poorly, the price for Aaron Rodgers is really high. You make out either way if you're Green Bay. It's not Aaron Rodgers, so you have to technically start over with a young quarterback, and so you're cutting yourself out below the knees because Green Bay's always considered a Super Bowl contender when they have Aaron Rodgers. That's the ultimate trump card on this. That's the ultimate thing that a Packers fan has to say, Ken, stop thinking big picture, look into the right now. But they didn't. They looked into the big picture. And so since they did it, they made their bed. They need to lay in it. They need to wait for somebody else, whether it be Denver, whether it be Vegas, whether it be Washington, to come in and make a play for Aaron Rodgers. You made this decision. You will now live or die because of this decision. I say, Aaron, you stay exactly where you are, over in Vegas or over on vacation in Hawaii or in El Salvador and on a TV set, and you keep in shape and wait. I don't think it's true anymore, the thought of, if you're thinking about retirement, you've already mentally checked out. I think that's garbage. I think that's old-style football. New style, I think Aaron Rodgers, if he got signed week three by somebody, traded week three to somebody, could have himself ready in about a month to finish off the season with that team. You could get great picks if you have Jordan Love, the type of guy you have. You made this decision. It's time to go. The forces of nature compel you to move forward. Next. All right, Ken. And lastly, number five, Sean McVay is living the high life with his new quarterback, Matt Stafford. And it shows. He told reporters at minicamp, quote, Everybody says, man, you just seem like you're in a better mood this offseason. And I just say, you're damn right I am. This guy Stafford, he's a special guy, end quote. So can work or shoot, Sean McVay has a reason to be happy because with Stafford, the Rams will have one of the best offenses in the NFL this season after being ranked 23rd in points scored last year. Well, I mean, okay, first off, that's a shoot. Let's, let's just put that This, there. my ahead. friends, is a shoot. All right, let me tell you more here. What's Sean McVay going to say? What is, what is Sean McVay going to say? If you get any one of these coaches to throw a big time, their new starting quarterback under the bus in minicamp, I'll kiss your bare ass on Broadway. Literally, I'll drive to New York City, I'll kiss your bare ass right there on Broadway. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy. Did you see this this week, Hickey? Or, uh, excuse me, uh, Green, Connor? Wow, I'm going old school with that. Connor, did you see it this week? No, what? Oh, yeah. 
Matt Nagy says Justin Fields got a lot of dog in him. He's got a killer instinct. Well, I'd hope so. You traded up for him. He's got a lot of fight in him. Well, he's got a lot is, of fight. Yeah, he's got a lot of fight in him. Well, I'd hope he'd have a lot of fight in him. I mean, he basically got split in two, and the national championship semifinal, he continued to play that game, then played the next game against Alabama. He went from Georgia to I, I'd hope the guy would have a lot of fight in him. I hope the guy you're taking to save your franchise and to save your ass would have a lot of fight in him. I'd hope so. I don't think that you're going to sit there before the season go and go, man, this guy's weak mentally, physically, sucks big time. I've already packed my bags. No coach is going to say that. So Sean McVay, where they've just made a big boy trade to go get Matt Stafford, isn't going to say, oh, my God, I've made a terrible, terrible mistake. Oh, what a terrible decision. Maybe I can call Dan Campbell up and say that he's weak and say that he doesn't work out enough, and maybe because of his bravado, he'll trade Jared Goff back to me. Come on. But Matt Stafford's a really good quarterback. And I think that Matt Stafford, you ready for this? You ready for something that other people are going to rip off from me here, Connor? I'm ready. Matt Stafford is the Chris Paul of the NFL. Wow. Now, Chris Paul's already a Hall of Famer. But Chris Paul has not got the recognition he deserves because he doesn't have a ring. Chris Paul could very well get a ring by the end of this NBA season. If Matt Stafford goes and gets a ring, he's guaranteed a Hall of Famer. He had Hall of Fame numbers. He was on his way to Hall of Fame numbers before he got traded to L.A. Now, he has Hall of Fame numbers. He wasn't getting in the Hall of Fame. Trust me. I wasn't saying that because of why. The rings, of course. Yes, you're seeing the rings culture thing we were just talking about. So now Matt Stafford with L.A., he gets himself a ring. He gets himself a Super Bowl. I'll see you in Canton. He's the Chris Paul of the NFL. Bet you liked that, didn't you? I did. That's going to be stolen by somebody this week. You watch. You tied it all together, too, with the Chris Paul Boom. stuff earlier right into Mark this. Mark it. I mean, this is a gift. I share it with everybody on the weekend. What do you, what do you want from me? Is that it? Is that it for work or shoot? That's it, Ken. I went way over on that. Thank you very much for bearing with me here. Kevin Dexter coming up here shortly. Uh, BN Sports is reporting that Christian Erickson is in stable condition and is being transferred to the local hospital in Copenhagen. Thank God. Uh, there is a picture of here of him here. He's on a stretcher. Boy, that that feed. I don't know what. I don't know what network it was that had that feed. But I saw some stuff on there going, you guys got to pull that feed off. My goodness. Because that was a scary situation. We are hoping that Christian Erickson, myself, we are hoping that Christian Erickson is going to be okay. Uh, but he's, according to BN Sports, reported to be in stable condition, uh, being transferred to the local hospital in Copenhagen. And there is a photo here of him. He looks alert. He does have oxygen on. He's kind of holding his forehead going, what the hell happened here? So we're hoping that uh, we're hoping that Christian Erickson's going to be okay. Certainly a ser- scary scenario over there with the uh, UEFA Cup and everything going on there. So we'll continue to monitor this throughout the afternoon. Very scary scene over in Europe. We'll continue to monitor it here on CBS Sports Radio. Coming up next, you know what it is to live and talk with Grandpa. It's no surprise that it's taken the NFL this long to come around on it. It's Ken Carman, CBS Sports Radio. Right now it's the latest sports update with our very own Kevin Dexter. Short time to get there. I'm eastbound, just like no bandit runs. 
You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Speak now forever. Hold your peace. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. Keep that music up and you're going to know why here in a second. Because tonight on CBS, a brand new racing series pulls in a prime time with some of the best drivers in the world from all different disciplines, including Tony Stewart and 2021 Indy 500 winner Elio Castro Nevis compete against each other and others using identical cars to prove they're the best on the track. Welcome to Superstar Saturday Night, the premiere of the SRX Series tonight at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on CBS. See, you know, it makes sense. Motors, get that? You've never seen Smokey and the Bandit, have you, Connor? Smokey and the Bandit? Oh, my God. Never. I never even heard of it. You're disappointing. You turn it up because I'd rather just deal with this than you. All right, fine. You got to tune it down now. Just watch the movie, Connor, okay? Do you know who Jackie Gleason is? I've heard he's a comedian, I think. Don't 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 do this. Don't be an ass. Do you know who Jackie Gleason is? <laughs> I have I have heard of Jackie Gleason. Okay, so you know who Jackie Gleason is. Okay. Do you know who Burt Reynolds is? Burt Reynolds is the uh famous actor who was in okay. the football movie. Sally Field. Don't know Sally Field. You don't know Sally Field? I know Mrs. Fields, but not Sally Field. You don't know who Sally Field is? No. Have you ever seen Mrs. Doubtfire? I've seen that. She's the mom in Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay, so Connor? I know I know Sally Field. Oh my god. Do you know you don't you obviously don't know who Jerry Reed is, do you? No. It's the guy singing the song, Connor! It's the guy singing the song. <laughs> It's the man singing the song, the guy who actually says he's bound and down, going, he's bound and down. That is the guy. It's Jerry Reed. He's the coach and the water boy. Not, well, that's Henry Winkler, who's the, he's the bad guy in the water boy, I should say. Okay? He's the bad coach. You ever see the water boy? Uh, I, I haven't seen the full life? thing. What do your parents do? Were you just were you just kept in the attic your entire childhood? These are a little before Judas my time. Priest. The Water Boy. The Water Boy's from like 1998. I was born They're in 94. 26. Oh my God. Go to hell. Eight five five two one two four CBS. I can't do this. You got to see Smoking the Bandit. Okay. I was born in 86, Connor. Like I've Smoking the Bandit was 1977. I've seen Smoking the Bandit. It was before my time, and I've seen Smoking the Bandit. The premise actually makes no sense, but it's still one of the best movies ever made of the 1970s. I don't give a damn what anybody says. All right. Yapirno can come in and tell me, extol the virtues of Chinatown and talk about Jack Nicholson and talk about 8mm and, and arts and farts and all the stuff. I'll tell you about the real American movies, and that's one of them, okay? Watch Smokey and the Bandit. Damn, Connor. When's the next time you're producing for me? Is it actually going to be next week? I don't think so. I'm not sure the next who time. Saw, who saw that one coming, huh? Great. <laughs> so that'll definitely go in in one ear and out the other, and then you won't watch Smokey and the Bandit, and it'll just be like I never said this sentence to you. Great. I wrote it awesome. down, Ken. I'm going to watch Smokey Bear and the Bandits. No, it's called Smokey and the Bandit. You're not going to work me into a shoot. I know what you're doing here. It doesn't work for the second time. There won't be a third. I got to move on. 
My Lord Almighty. Speaking of things that are older than us, you might have remembered talking to your grandpa back in the day. And grandpa might have had some antiquated views that would not be really well regarded in 2021. We're going back and watching Mad Men, Liz and I. It's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. There are some cringeworthy scenes of the 1960s and how people lived in the 1960s, and really not how they lived, but how they thought in the 1960s. Some very ugly stuff when it comes to matters of race, when it comes to matters of alcoholism, drug use, marijuana, things of, things of that nature. And it's going to tie into two things that I have to talk about here. The first one would be where the NFL and the NFLPA has finally come together, and they're going to come together on a study about marijuana, well, they called it cannabis, but on marijuana and how it helps in pain management. So we don't have to talk about opioids anymore and, th- and and all the other different pills that guys had to pop in the years. And there were a lot of folks, and I, even my, I myself, I go, you know, it's amazing that, so, that very large entities are willing to spend very large amounts of money researching things that a very large amount of people told them was already good for them. And marijuana is always one of those things. But it's never been a surprise to me for the NFL. Of the four major sports... And I did this a few years ago, and I'm going to have to do it again. I looked up all the owners of all the four major sports and the ones where you could find a singular, this is the principal owner, and did their ages. Of the four major sports that I had, the NFL, by an average of over 10 years, was the oldest. I believe the NBA was the youngest at that time. Major League Baseball was somewhere in the middle. The NHL was somewhere in the middle. And it doesn't surprise you that the NBA, where you have a guy like Mark Cuban who – I imagine he might have experimented in college not too terribly long ago. A guy like Dan Gilbert, who's in his 50s, probably, I imagine, might have experimented when he was in college not too terribly long ago. It doesn't surprise you that they may be a little bit more forward-thinking about what marijuana, when it's not the devil's lettuce to you, can do for somebody. It can help somebody. And I think that the NFL, when you have a average age that's 10 years older than any other sport, and you have people who are in their 90s, who grew up in a different time, who were formidable in their 30s and 40s in a different time, it doesn't surprise me that they think this way about marijuana. At one point, you go back to the 1960s, smoking marijuana was a high crime to some people. You were seen as the lowest of the low. It was for draft dodgers. It was for bad people. That's what these people thought. And alcoholism was fine, not talked about. Spousal abuse was fine, not talked about. Dealing with other drugs, popping pills was fine, and, and, the, and the terrible things that happen when those things, when you get addicted to those things were fine, but not talked about. But marijuana, you better stay off that grass. Those damn draft dodgers, those are the ones smoking that dope. You can't be on the devil's lettuce. And that's the way a 30- and 40-year-old would think about in the 1960s, 70s, even 80s, and into the 90s. And so now where we've, we've done the studies, we've seen what it can do for a person in their regular life, and it hasn't been demonized the way it has, you can see some of the benefits for it. And the players, just like the employees of big-time corporations, are the ones that have had to pay that price. And yeah, I can't help but wonder about Ricky Williams, and I can't help but wonder about especially a guy like Josh Gordon, where Josh Gordon, I I asked this question yesterday to my co-host Garrett Bush at the time, who is a wonderful, talented host. And I know I can be heard on the fan in Cleveland, so let that be known. That is the absolute truth. I adore Garrett. 
And we both agreed it probably would have helped Josh Gordon because Josh Gordon is one of the greatest talents I've ever seen. Josh Gordon is a guy who, if it weren't for drugs, is a Hall of Fame wide receiver. He's the best wide receiver, excuse me, the most talented. Can't say the best because that would require a body require a body of work. He's the most talented wide receiver I've ever seen with my own two eyes. The day I saw Calvin Johnson was the day he had a knee injury. But I saw Josh Gordon practice. I saw Josh Gordon live and in person. And he was the most impressive wide receiver I've ever seen. I looked at him and I said, that's a Hall of Famer. And there's been drug abuse. And there has been really severe depression that's affected Josh Gordon. And I don't know if he loves football. I don't know if he grew up in a scenario where it was that he was good at football and people told him he should play football to get them out of the situation that they were in. So he just decided he had to play football. I'm not sure. But I can tell you this. I think that the suspensions and us telling him he's a bad person, myself included as a media person and as a fan, were we at that time considered people who, not too terribly long ago, by the way, this is not in the 1990s, at that time, my, you can't get it together for millions of dollars. $60 million sitting right there for you. You can't get your act together. Why can't you do it? Something's wrong with you. But to see it and think, you know, maybe suspensions, long-term suspensions and saying that this guy's already a loser over marijuana might not help him when he's going, you know what, I'm pretty down and out. Why don't I pick up some other drugs? Because I think that's what happened in a lot of ways with Josh Gordon. I can't say it would have saved him. Who knows? Maybe Josh Gordon just has addictions and has demons and he needs to get through those to, to live the rest of his life. But I think that if they were to have a more forward-thinking, logical reasoning for what they've done with their marijuana policy over the last 20 years, I don't think there'd be as many cautionary tales. In fact, I think there'd be more success stories. Guys like Ricky Williams, guys who might have had problems before were able to put it away and, and, and deal with those problems and realizing that marijuana is not the devil's lettuce Beelzebub trying to get you in. We'll never know with Josh Gordon. But I have to think that being able to go to work and perform and do something you love is probably a little bit better than kicking you off the team. It's just my thought on it. Big thanks to Pierno, Green, Belletti, Kevin Dexter. You all were wonderful. Andrew Filipponi up next. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye. It's been your pleasure. I'm out of here. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.